Well, welcome back to Greenhouse. Uh, we are back once again at the Crone Conservatory. And if you've ever tried to grow a variety of plants, you know that it can be challenging to match a plant to its preferred growing environment. That some plants prefer soil that is rich and dewy and full of moisture, and other plants prefer soil that is dry and sandy. And it's crazy to think that a plant can actually thrive in the middle of a desert where there's very little water, uh, but that is the case. And I would imagine as you look around at the cactuses that surround me, you would think that they would only grow in the middle of a dry desert. But there's actually a cactus called the dragon fruit cactus that prefers a very hot and very humid environment. And if you were to try to grow one of these at home, it would be challenging though, because if you give it just a little bit too much moisture, the roots will begin to rot and the plant will begin to die. But if the dragon fruit finds its perfect environment and where it's from in South America, it will flourish and it will grow a, a pink edible fruit that is delicious. Or consider the elephant tree. The elephant tree has a trunk that resembles the foot of an elephant. And that trunk, it stores water and nutrients for many, many months because the elephant tree grows in arid environments that don't get much rainfall. You know, over the course of this series, we've been learning a lot of lessons from nature about our lives. And I know we all have dry seasons or deserts where we're going through struggles, we're experiencing loss, we're experiencing burnout. Well, I think as we look to the plants, we can learn these lessons. What, what are we storing up inside that can help us for the future? And as we think about these two plants today, we can think about the lesson of connecting to the ultimate source of life so that we can not only survive in a desert, but we can thrive in the desert. You know, over 50% of Americans, as of a poll in March, say they're feeling mentally exhausted, less productive because they can't connect emotionally with their work. Because 60% of us say we just don't even know how to unplug anymore to take time to pause, to rest, to think about, is this sustainable what I'm really up against? And that high-producing high-stress environment that we thrive in. It gets the adrenaline running, but do it long enough and it's not sustainable. It leads to discouragement or depression. And you find yourself like that last song, man, I'm trying to find a way out. I'm feeling alone. I'm not feeling like I'm operating at my best. Statistics tell us that that kind of wear and tear on us that often leads to depression costs the economy $1 billion a year because of the way untreated that burnout turns into depression. Or as the Bible says, burnout is the, the burnout that occurs when you're sitting under a broom tree. That's the vegetation we're looking at today. This is my wife and I in Israel sitting under a broom tree, and that's a big one. It's called a broom tree because you break off one of the branches and literally use it as a broom back in ancient times. You ever been so exhausted just by the tyranny of success or just the amount of expectations that are on you that you just kind of collapse under a broom tree. That's a picture from 2012. My wife and I going on an adventure, enjoying our time, but we're just worn out. 126 degree weather, but that's not what's wearing us out. It's the wear and tear of just family and work, special needs child, helping the other kids cope, some of the things related to the other kids and how to cope with, you know, being mocked and things like that, we're just worn out. Not by failure, but worn out a bit by success. 
But as you're going to see today in our story of Elijah, it's a small step from success to the broom tree and from the broom tree to a cave, the cave of depression. If we're not careful, if we don't interact with our own souls well under the broom tree, we're going to tumble into the cave. Some quotes that struck me about depression. One is that depression is what begins to happen when it almost feels like you're drowning when everyone around you can breathe fine. Burnout is like a dark hole. It's a solitary place of hopelessness. Am I ever, ever going to find some rest here? You just feel this deep ache for something, anything to make it better. I cannot keep up this pace. So we're going to give some real practical ways to find out, are you under the broom tree or are you tumbling into the cave? Because let's face it, a cave is a lousy greenhouse, right? You don't grow a lot of good stuff in a cave. But God meets us in our caves. As we're going to find today, God sits under the broom tree with us to give us incredibly practical help as we're facing challenges. In fact, mental health is such a passion to the people here at Horizon. I was part of, maybe it was 10, 15 years ago, many folks at Horizon who put in place here in our city, the Linder Center of Hope, which has helped many, many families with their medical issues. And I, I remember being there that opening day and just seeing so many families talking about a neighbor, a friend, a spouse, a child who just really had these kind of feelings, but the shame and the stigma of it, you just couldn't talk about it. You could talk about being burned out and busy, but not what tumbles into depression or discouragement from there. So today I want to look at two trees, the olive tree and the broom tree. And whether we want to avoid the cave, whether you want to help someone that you care about that might be in a cave, or whether you're worried that your time at the broom tree, if you don't change some patterns or rhythms in your life, you're going to end up in a cave, I want to give you hope, really practical advice on how God can meet you and teach you the rhythms of your own body in order to get out from the broom tree and back onto the mountain. Let's start with an olive tree. We've talked a little bit about olives in this series, but we're going to zoom in a little bit more today. Many of us tumble into the broom tree and into the cave because we don't take enough time to pause and check our branches for burnout. There are certain symptoms in our life that are obvious to those around us. They're just not obvious to us. Have you ever checked your branches for burnout? Can I keep this up? Is your sap level low emotionally? You say, why am I getting so mad? Why am I reacting the way I am? Why does it take so little to set me off? Maybe it's time to check your branches for burnout. Because if your emotional sap is low and your physical sap is low because you've been just pushing at all ends, when your physical tanks are low and your emotional tanks are low and your spiritual tanks are low, man, that does not set you up for success. So it takes a moment like this where we go, yeah, I don't think I've thought about it. How are your branches doing today? Are there symptoms that you can feel? How you react, how you respond, that maybe your body's trying to call attention to yourself? Let me tell you a story about a man who faced exactly that. Join me. We're going to go back to Israel for a moment. It, it's sunrise at Mount Carmel. This is a real place in Israel. It's a beautiful sunrise day, and this guy is a top performer, a household name, and his name is Elijah. And he is going to climb his way up to the top of Mount Carmel, metaphorically and physically. He is at the top of his career. He's giving the most important speech to the largest audience against his greatest competitor that he's ever had. And as he climbs his way through the trees and through the vines to make his way up to the top, 
There's a location at the top from this very vantage point that you can see for miles all around. He is literally on the top of the world. This is the greatest day of his life and the greatest day of his career. There's 10,000 plus people gathered down there at the olive grove at the bottom right-hand section. And he's about to give a speech to persuade them. He sets up an altar and says, let's follow the God who we promised would bring us life and joy and peace in our life. Let's stop following. And a hundred of his competitors are there who have set up an altar to Baal, the God who's required child sacrifice. He goes, we've got to turn away from this God and find peace again in our life. Well, everybody's watching. It's a natural amphitheater. I've been down at the bottom. You can hear one voice covers all of that area without any sound system, just the natural acoustics. The people are sitting under the olive trees as I begin to hear him say, we're going to call out for fire. Whichever God brings fire down and consumes the altar, let's follow that God. So as they look up and watch, sure enough, up on the mountain, the, the, the prophets of Baal are calling down fire and nothing happens hour after hour. And then they watch as Elijah pours water on his altar to make it even harder. And here on this actual location, in this spot, fire comes down. This is the greatest moment in his career. But he spent so much emotional energy and physical energy over the last couple of years, he doesn't realize he doesn't have any margin. All of a sudden, a messenger comes, hears this speech, and says, Queen Jezebel is going to kill you today because she heard about this speech. And all of a sudden, this greatest moment of his life turns into fight or flight as he begins to run. He runs through the wadi south into Israel, running, running, running. Now, Jezebel had threatened him a hundred times before, but there's something about this day, something about the exhaustion he had that just kicks him into, I've got to run. He runs with a servant of his. He at least has one person to help him, calm him, comfort him, bring some, some stability to his thinking. But he leaves that servant behind here in the wadi. And now he's on his own running, fight or flight. Could it just be that less than 24 hours ago he had the greatest moment his entire life and now he is on the run, alone, scared, exhausted, worried? And his burnout has gone into complete and total exhaustion. He is truly running on fumes and now by himself crawls into a cave where he hides. And this is where he'll tumble into darkness. And it's not because he wasn't a failure, it's because of his success. He didn't check his branches for the burnout. So he didn't realize it just took one more thing, that one thing that he hadn't margined for, that one thing he had expected, was that one thing that caused him to kind of tumble in to this fight-or-flight mechanism. I got a chance to visit Mount Carmel several years ago. I stood on that very place that Elijah was here with those 10,000 people gathered down, and it is an amazing moment, the greatest success. I could just imagine that day with him. And I went down and looked at those trees, those olive trees. Many of them are over 100 years old. My wife and I put our arms around it. We couldn't even touch. That's how big they were. But look at that tree for a moment. Does that tree look like it's giving out its best fruit? That tree's lasted a long time, but is it like it's producing the fruit the way it's designed to, the olive the way it's designed to? No, it's like somebody hasn't taken care of that real well. I'm not sure that's how an olive tree is supposed to look. And for many of us, the way we've run our bodies, run our souls, not put any rhythms of rest into our life, we've got a very well-producing olive tree, but it's not going to sustain itself. It's not going to last 
In fact, an interesting little tidbit about olive trees is if you let all the olives overripe, you can produce a lot more olive oil. Overripe them all, and you get a lot more olive oil. But overproducing that olive oil, all of the olive oil you produce has a much shorter shelf life. And for many of us, we are so good at producing, we've turned ourselves into machines to produce. But that production we've had can last for a while. It can even be a season of your life, a chapter of your life. But the one thing it can't be is something that's going to sustain you. You've given yourself a much shorter shelf life to sustain that rhythm. So let me give you three things, three, three symptoms of the burnout in Elijah's life, and maybe there's symptoms in your life that it might be time to check before you end up under the broom tree. Number one, maybe you've gone through a season of tilling through tough soil. There has been a drought for the last five years, and it's during this drought that he has been helping people in tragedy, helping people whose, whose business are in trouble. He's been confronting the king on some bad stuff. He's been pushing, pushing, pushing hard for five years. I don't think he's aware of that. He's been tilling through hard soil for so long. It is taking a lot more wear and tear on him than he realizes. And for many of us, it's the tyranny of our success. We've been tilling through tough soil, the challenges of COVID, how we rearrange the business, all the people who need us, all the things we had to reinvent. It was fun. There was an adrenaline piece to it. It was challenging. But you till through tough soil long enough, you better check your branches for burnout. Sometimes it's a season of overproducing. In fact, when he confronted the king right before this big uh, speech he gives, the king takes off on his chariot and he decides, he calls down uh, the power of God and he actually outruns the chariot. This is a time of physical exhaustion and it was adrenaline rushing. I mean, this guy outran a chariot, but it was a season of overproducing. He has drained his physical tanks by outrunning a chariot. He has drained his emotional tanks by trying to keep track of everybody else's needs. He doesn't realize how much output has been coming out of him. And see, many of us have certain rhythms in our life, and those rhythms work well if nothing changes. But we don't have any margin in our life for the unexpected. We can keep producing at the level we're producing, but because we're so drained and haven't checked our fluids, the sap is low emotionally, sap is low physically, sap is low spiritually, suddenly when unexpected weather comes, the drought has come to an end. Rain is coming down. Some unexpected moment, you're like, why did I get so mad at my daughter? Why did I react to what my wife said? Why did that person drive me so crazy in the meeting? It's because we don't have enough margin for the unexpected. Here's what it says in 2 Kings. talking about The word of the Lord came to Elijah. It's third year of the drought. That's a lot of pushing. And God says, I'm going to send rain on the earth, a change of weather. Israel girds up his loins, which basically means pull up his you know, longer cloak, and he outruns this chariot of Ahab. You ever had those moments where, man, I was on the mountaintop, but I've been pushing, pushing, pushing for this big deal. There's a drop-off because you had so much energy into getting that deal done. Your kids are in a school play, and there's all that work going up to the school play moment. Then there's that drop-off emotionally when it's all over. They didn't even see it coming. I used to have that on Sunday nights. I've actually got better rhythms in my life. I used to call it my, my Sunday night funk. All the energy of six months working on a sermon or coordinating with video, all these pieces. And then, oh, do you know your rhythms? Do you recognize the patterns of burnout that may require you to make some changes in your life to be sustainable? 
I had a guy who was an air traffic controller, but not for airplanes, for trains. I'm not sure what the name is for it, but his job every day was to coordinate all of the trains coming in, coming out, don't get on the wrong track, don't run into anything, life and death, one mistake, bad things happen, millions of dollars aren't delivered. And he could have done that for a year or two years, and he did for several decades. But just in that fight or flight, pressure all the time began to weigh on him. So he started coming to our church, and I got to know him pretty well. And he began to learn about other rhythms God has. Times you need to back off and fill back up. Fill back up your fun tank. Fill back up your emotional tank. When we're tired, we react worse. If we don't know the rhythms of having built up to something and then resting before we build back up again. Sabbath, the idea of uh, putting rhythms into your life, like a seven-day Sabbath to, to not just produce and turn yourself into a machine. As he began to kind of connect with God, he found that God didn't have a lot of experience with it, but there are these rhythms that he wasn't putting in place in his life that began to change and began to allow him to have more capacity by creating place to refill himself just by taking a moment each week to check his branches for burnout. Are you doing the same? There's a story told, and it's in the 1800s. It's kind of when the circus first began and was traveling through Europe and Italy in particular. This man was really struggling with depression. He was just burnt out, just producing, producing, producing. So he came to see a psychologist, and he said, I really need some help. I just found myself worn out with other people, worn out trying to find happiness. I'm really feeling depression setting in. The psychologist kind of talked to him a little bit, chatted a little bit, said, I think you need some more joy in your life. The circus is in town. I hear there is a hilarious show that goes on almost every night, and there's a clown there named Grimaldi. And Grimaldi might just be the, the very secret you need to bring some joy into your life. He said, yeah, well, that's great, but I'm Grimaldi. <laughs> Bringing joy to everybody else is what's actually got me in this condition, right? So are you taking moments in your rhythms of life to check for burnout before you end up under a broom tree? For many times, it's those symptoms. It's our bodies. It's our psyche. It's our circumstance calling out to us. Let's move to the broom tree. How about the broom tree? What can we learn from the broom tree? It's here in the broom tree we're going to learn some real practical suggestions God has. And number one, how he's going to come near us in those moments that we're exhausted. And he's going to want to sweep away some things, some rhythms we don't even realize we have mentally, spiritually, and physically that maybe need to change to be more sustainable. So notice what happens. Again, Jezebel had just sent this message. I will make your life like those who died by tomorrow about this time. Because he didn't have any margin hundred other times this would have been fine. Any other day this would make it. But with no margin, fight or flight hits. He saw that. He arose. He ran for his life. He leaves a servant behind, collapses in the desert heat under a broom tree. Collapses. Not out of failure. He just wore himself out. Here under the broom tree... God appears to him as an angel. You may not believe in angels. Um, I believe this was God. I believe God appeared to him. So whether you believe this literally happened or not, I'm telling you, this is like a manual on mental health. God comes in the form of an angel. And what does he say? You shouldn't feel this way. You shouldn't feel depressed. No, no. The first thing God says is, we got to meet your physical needs. you got a physical body, and you cannot keep pushing your body without meeting your physical needs. So the angel appears to him, 
He lay him under a broom tree, and an angel touched him and said, Arise, time to wake up. By his head was a cake baked upon the coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank, and he lay down again. God baked him a cake. I told you this would be a good message. God says, you know what? The main issue is not more prayer time, isn't more activity. You're not eating well, you're not drinking well, and you're not sleeping enough. I made you as a physical being, and you need to meet your physical needs. And so God made him a cake. And said, so now, let's go take a nap. You, you just have not had enough rest to sustain the kind of pace you've been at. You need to sleep, you need to eat, and you need to drink. He wakes back up, bakes him another cake, falls back asleep again. Saw my buddy Kevin. Kevin works in the uh, commercial division at Jeff Weiler. And uh, they had a, uh, a guy in town who is uh, from SEAL Team 6. And they were doing a little promotion many years ago. And so Jeff Weiler had turned to Kevin and said, hey, uh, take Seam Till 6 guy out and you take him wherever he wants on behalf of the company. You know, take him to Jeff Ruby's, take him to, to Ruth Chris, whatever he wants. So Kevin and his wife get all dressed up, looking nice, and they, they pick this guy up from the airport, and he's going to be throwing out a pitch that day at the Reds game. And, and they're like, where do you want to go? They, they're just like, so excited about what the options might be. He says, you know what? Man, I would love to go to Frisch's Big Boy. I just got such fond memories of Frisch's Big Boy. Julia saw her last service. She's like, really? We're gonna, I got all dressed up for Frisch's Big Boy. So they go to Frisch's Big Boy, and he's just having this like, emotional connection to his past, enjoying the Sunday and whatever else he ordered. Next day, he said he went into Jeff Weiler's office. Jeff's like, hey, where'd you take a SEAL Team 6 guy? Jeff... Frisch's big boy? You tightwad! I can't believe you. No, no, he asked for it. He asked for it. He asked for it. But man, many of us, there's emotional connection to food. There, there's, there's this way in which we just, when we look at our rhythms, the pace we've kept ourselves is not allowing us to feed our tanks well. But then what's amazing is God moves from his physical needs to his emotional needs. And God is just such a wonderful counselor. Even in the Old Testament, God is described as a wonderful counselor. The angel says, arise and eat. The journey's too great for you. You've been pushing yourself too hard. He doesn't condemn him for his feelings of exhaustion, doesn't condemn him for his depression. He says, yeah, you, you've pushed yourself too hard. The journey's too great for you. Let me come near. Let me listen in. Let me help assist. We need to meet some physical needs and some emotional needs here. However, Elijah is so trained to be in busy, 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 go, go, go mode he eats this food, this amazing cake. I was thinking, what kind of cake would this be? It's not devil's food cake, right, because God made it. Um, so I'm not sure what it is, but this is delicious cake. The cake is so good. Sorry about that one. So the cake is so good that he goes in the strength of that cake and that food from God for 40 days and 40 nights. So as soon as he gets his tanks even a little bit full, it's like, go, 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 40 days. Go, 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 go. And he tumbles into the same pattern. He didn't take the time to change the rhythms to be sustainable. So even filling his tank just a little bit, his emotion tank a little bit, he ends up now moving from the broom tree to tumbling into a cave of depression. I told you that a broom tree is used actually um, in the Middle East to sweep. And God is going to meet him here, and he's going to try and help him under this broom tree. Now he's moved into a cave to sweep away some things. Some of the habits that I think you and I have you got to dig a little deep. you got to take some time under the broom tree to figure out, why do I keep doing what I'm doing? First thing he sweeps away is hopelessness. Because now that he's in the cave, he's starting to think suicidal thoughts. Elijah went a day's journey into the wilderness by himself, leaves everybody behind, no one to encourage him, no one to help him. He's isolated himself. He sat under the broom tree and he prayed that he might die. 
He said, it is enough now, O Lord. Just take my life. That's what happens often. When you push yourself, you get to the place, you're like, I just want relief. I just want to not feel this way anymore. I would encourage you. you know, we've helped a lot of people with depression in small groups and connection. I've done a lot of funerals here of folks who didn't have connection. And everyone says, why didn't they tell me? Because at some point you're hurting so bad, you just don't want to feel that way anymore. And that stupid phrase that people say, you know, suicide is the most selfish act, has never helped one person in their whole life. Suicide is a hurting person who's been in so much pain that just want to get out of it. And God is going to show up and say, listen, you put yourself in a cave, you're all alone, but I am with you. Let's sweep away the hopelessness. He doesn't dump guilt and shame about that. doesn't give a big speech about how it's selfish. And in fact, God even records this in the Bible to say godly people, regular people, successful people can struggle with these kind of thoughts. And part of sweeping it away is connecting with God, letting him emotionally connect with you, connecting with other people, not finding yourself isolating more and more into a cave. The problem with depression, right, is that depression, the more depressed you are, the more you withdraw from others, the more you isolate. That's why the second thing God's going to sweep away is this isolation. He's like, it's no wonder you're not feeling very loved or cared for or supported. You've isolated yourself from everybody. And if you trace, Elijah has this phrase he says twice. So this is clearly something that's been rehearsing in his brain. And God's going to sweep away some of this bad self-talk that has been driving his patterns. He says over and over to God, I am no better than my fathers. Who said you had to be? But that is what's driven him his whole life. If I work hard, if I push hard, I can be better than my fathers. I can be the greatest prophet that's ever lived. I can do the greatest thing that's ever lived. That thought, that thought beneath the service is what's driving all of his behavior. And for many of us, we don't know what the thought is that's driving our behavior. He'll say that twice to God. And then he, his couple of things he says to himself. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord. I'm the only one who's trying hard. I'm the only one that's doing the work around here. And I alone am left. Of course he feels alone. He's in a cave. Of course he feels alone. He left his servant 50 miles ago. But often we get into rhythms of isolating ourselves, and then those isolations become self-fulfilling prophecies. And now those people are seeking to take my life. And God is going to slowly begin to address each one of these self-talks. Pause with him. Talk with him. Hey, that's not true. You're not alone. It's not true. You don't need to be like your fathers, Elijah. I just want you to be you. But often we're, we're running so hard, we don't take a moment to reflect, what are the patterns, what are the, the idioms in my life that are driving me to keep making the same decisions I've been making? I had a friend who was going through some patterns like this, a real successful business guy, and, and he said, you know, I need to start taking some time to kind of connect with who I am, what I'm doing, why I do what I do, become more emotionally available to myself so I can be more emotionally available to my wife, so I can be more emotionally available to my kids. As he was going through this process of working through this, he called his dad up and said, hey, dad, here's something I'm kind of working on. I want to be a better husband. And his dad's like, why would you do any of that crap? He said, you're going to lose your edge. Oh, I don't want to lose my edge. And he stumbled across one of his phrases. Man, I think I'll lose my edge if I in any way connect with myself as an emotional being. i got to just treat myself like a machine. Another buddy, business guy, he said, Chad, I just realized I had treated myself like a machine for decades. I need to go back and treat myself like a human being. Fill up my tanks. What's going on? Why am I doing? That's why God does something amazing here. So he, he's in depression. He's isolated himself. And the third thing God sweeps away is he sweeps away 
the sense of purposelessness or isolation. The Lord says, hey, Elijah, it's time to get out of the cave. And the longer you've been in this cave, the more purposeless it's felt, the more depression it's felt. I want you to go and return on your way. I got some things for you to do. When you're depressed, you feel like you have nothing to do. You feel like there's nothing you can accomplish. You just tumble backwards. No, I got some stuff for you to do. Time to get out of the cave. I want you to go anoint some people. Elijah, prophets are supposed to anoint some things. Here's some things I need you to do. And I want you to go anoint Jehu as king. And look at this next, next one. And Elisha, you shall appoint as a prophet in your place. You need a buddy. You need a partner. You need a friend. So Elijah, who's felt so alone, God assigns him Elisha. It's kind of weird, Elijah, Elisha, who he mentors for the next couple of years. So you still got something to give. I'm still going to use you. But I also need you to not be living in isolation so much. I need you to have some community and some connection and somebody to do work with you. And these are the patterns God begins to change. What is the self-talk in your life? What's in my life? Now, at this point, he's not under the broom tree anymore. He's actually tumbled into a cave. Deep into this cave, God finds him. And again, God doesn't condemn him for being in the cave. God doesn't shun him for being in the cave. But Elijah is so used to God appearing in big ways, big fire, big miracles, big, big, big. He says, God comes to him in the cave, and he says, Elijah, look at this. An earthquake hits. Wow. But it says God was not in the earthquake. Fire appears. But it says God was not in the fire. See, Elijah is so used to the only things that are, are successful things or God things are big things. So after a big earthquake and a big fire, it says then there was a still, small voice. And God was in the still, small voice. Elijah, your rhythms your whole life have been about big big results, big speeches. It's time for you to create some rhythms to have some stillness and some quietness. And the phrase is, be still, the Bible says, and know that I am God. But more than that, what if the thing you hate the most, the discouragement you have, the depression your wife has, the depression your husband has, the midlife crisis, whatever it is, that that thing that you're like, you're embarrassed by, you want anybody to know about it, what if we were to just bring it out in the open and say, we all struggle with this, Elijah struggled with this, there's times and seasons of our own life that our own patterns don't work. What if we began to say, I'm going to create new rhythms to be still and let God not only teach me some things about my physical needs and my emotional needs, but what if God was to bring buds from my broom tree? What if the thing I hate the most, this depression, this burnout, could be the very thing God uses to grow me and to say, man, I wouldn't have made these changes if this hadn't been so painful. You see, I saw a lot of broom trees when I was in Israel. What I didn't know is if you're in the right season, they flower. And if you watch long enough, they turn into a beautiful flowering bush. And God can step into your life and whatever depression you've been through, whatever difficult time you've been through, God's not going to shame you. He wants to be your wonderful counsel. He wants you to know our community loves you, our church loves you, your family loves you. If you're struggling with depression, nobody knows you're in a cave. Be still. Know that God cares about you. We love you and care about you. And that a cave feels like you just keep going darker and darker and there's no light. That broom tree just feels like at least I got a little relief under the sun, but it's, oh, I just am going to lay here. But God wants to actually begin to bring buds into your broom tree, to begin to bring new life again, new hope again.
to create a way that you can produce but still have a good shelf life. That you can produce but not turn yourself into a machine rather than a human being. And maybe this morning is the first time you've taken enough moment to think about your own soul or think about your own heart to hear God say to you, be still and know that I am God. The God of the Bible doesn't watch from a distance. He came into human history. He walked into the cave of our own depression and our own brokenness and he said, I know what it's like to lose your brother. My cousin got beheaded by Herod. I know what it's like to lose somebody. I'm a high priest who can sympathize with you. I'm not here to judge. I'm here to draw near. In fact, this next song, I invite the band to come out, is really, maybe it's God's voice to you. If Elijah heard, be still and hear me in the quiet moments, not just the big moments, maybe God would say to you, whatever you're going through, you're not on the last chapter. You're just on a difficult chapter. But if you will hear me, if you will take my wisdom and these, these new patterns in your life, I can fix you. I can heal you. I can help you. Or I can give you the resources you need to help the people around you that are sitting in broom trees or have tumbled into caves. Jesus came into a world of darkness and he said, I am the light of the world. Follow the light. Maybe you want to do that in prayer this morning. You just want to say, God, I... Uh, I'm headed toward a broom tree. Or maybe you're sitting in a cave and you just want to say it out loud to at least yourself. Say, God, I, I'm in that cave right now and I need help. I need some light. I want to follow the light. Father, I invite you to be my counselor. Forgive me for running my, my life like it's a machine. God, I'm going to trust your rhythms are better than my rhythms. And Father, I invite that light to come in and to fix and to change and to console and to empathize that, Father, I could have an incredible shelf life with you because I'm doing life your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, wherever you are in your journey, whether it's a little bit of burnout or sitting under a broom tree or sitting in a cave, we want to know how we can assist you. And one of the ways we want to do that is coming up next week. Because for many of us, we just need more joy in our life and more downtime in our life. And so if maybe one thing you haven't scheduled a date night in, in years or weeks, we got a date night for you. Or if you just need some laughter, because again, depression is like an electromagnet of negative thoughts. Next week, we have two showings, exactly the same. Don't sign up for both. But we got a comedy night out under the tent. We're going to have an hour of live music. Kenny's going to be playing. He takes requests. Brown-eyed girl. Brown-eyed girl. Hates it. Brown-eyed girl. Ask for whatever song you want. Brown-eyed girl. Uh, ask for that. And then we have two comedians. Ken Kington's going to do half a set. If you were here with us last week, this isn't like a religious event. It's just a fun, upbeat, energetic, connect kind of event. We'd love to have you and your friends there. And he's bringing another comedian friend of his named Johnny W. doing another part of the set. And uh, if you haven't heard Johnny W. before, let me give you a little piece of comedy before we send you out today. Here you go. I don't know if you've seen the talking dog clip. The dog supposedly says, I love you. You click on it, it says English Bulldog. I don't know what they're doing to that dog, first of all, to get it to make that sound. Or prodding it or tasing it. It's wrong. That's abuse. The dog does not row room. And, uh, 
And please tell me you know that your dog would not say I love you, even if it could talk, okay? Your dog has had it up to here with you, okay? <laughs> it's not good. If your dog could talk, it would go a lot more like this. Hey, I appreciate this dry kibble that you've been feeding me in a bowl on the ground. Thank you so much. Oh, a juicy sirloin for you. Well, you've earned it. Good for you. And that sweater that you got me for Christmas. Thank you. None of the cats teased me at all. No, no. Love it. Oh, look, I've left you a present. And for the last time, will you stop with the baby talk? I am 47 years old. I'm a grown-up, and I expect to be treated as such. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm gonna head over here and chew on my butt for about an hour, okay? Well, there you go. From cold place fix you to chew on your butt. It's a good Sunday here at Horizon. But again, we want to bring some joy into your life. We want to connect with you. But seriously, if you're going through a challenging time, we would love to pray for you. Any service at any time, third door on your left is the hearth room. It's a great chance. We have elders there, staff members there. We'd love to pray for you at any time, help you. Let us be available to whatever you need, uh, whatever journey you're on. And let's be a community together. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week as we continue our Greenhouse Series.